friends, you're listening to Crickets to Cha-Chings, a show where we talk about all aspects of running a handmade business and marketing that business for success while still keeping a balance to have flexibility for your family. I'm your host, Lauren Keplinger, and I am so excited to get started. Let's jump right in. And welcome back to another episode of Crickets to Chichings. My name is Lauren, and today on the podcast, I have a very special guest that I'm really excited to have this conversation with. With me today, I have Samantha Booth, who is a student in my SEO Superstars program, and I'm super excited to talk to her about her experience and sort of the process of growing her shop. Welcome, Samantha. Hi, thank you for having me. Yeah, so. Talk to me a little bit about your shop and what you do. Just let us know sort of, you know, who you are, what you sell. So my shop is Samantha Booth Art, and I make um, handmade wheel thrown pottery. My mom is a sculptor, and she also makes things in the shop with me. She makes planters, uh, custom-made dog planters that people send us their photos, and she'll sculpt them for them. So. How did you get started on Etsy? Did you have a place in person that you were selling or were you just doing it as a hobby? What made you take the leap to get started on Etsy? Well, I started on Etsy because I just had a lot of pottery at home and people would say, oh my God, you have to sell it. Like, I love it. I want to buy it. Where do you sell it? And I said, well, I guess I better sell it. So I just thought Etsy was going to be the best place for handmade things. I grew up in a family with a small business and it was something that I always thought I would work in. But when I entered college as a business major, I decided that I liked the art classes much more. So I took ceramics. I was completely hooked. I loved it. Back then there was no internet. So selling pottery was basically going to fairs in the summer, selling at a table. So I became a teacher. I had three kids. I really didn't do any pottery for like 20 years. So when my kids got older, like their 20s, my family actually forced me to do something for myself. So side note to anyone out there, don't wait that long to do something for yourself. It was just something that I love to do. And I had just taken too long to do it. So I took a ceramics class. It all came back. I was bringing home so much pottery. People would say, where do you sell it? It took me a long time to get up the courage to open an Etsy shop. It was a huge step, putting your work out there. What if no one buys it? What if they buy it? They don't like it. You know, I was nervous. So in July of 2016, I did it. I I listed a handful of my pottery. Even though so many people say it was easier back then, it wasn't. (laughs) I hear that a lot from people like, oh, you're so lucky you started back then. But, you know, it took me months to get my first sale. A few trickled in here and there, and then a couple of sales a week, I would say. And I worked on the shop constantly. But one day, about eight months after we opened our shop, there was a message through Etsy from HGT uh, Magazine. And um, they saw one of my listings. They had me send it to them. And it made a photo shoot within a few months. And it was on the newsstands in the grocery store. Like It happened that fast. It was then that I realized that selling on Etsy just had so many possibilities. It wasn't 
only the sales to individual people, but it was a way to be seen by companies and by magazines. I think that you've made a lot of really good points that I want to kind of like hammer in. Oh, good. So that you started in 2016 and you heard this that like, oh, it's so easy. So you can imagine how much I hear that (laughs) having started in 2012. Yeah. And I also want to make the point that just like, I think that that's something, I mean, I think it's normal for people to kind of feel that way. Like, oh, I wish I would have gotten started, you know, so long ago, it would have been easier, obviously. But it's only easier because you've had that time to learn and stuff. It's not like, I mean, when I started in 2012, there were like no resources on the internet for any kind of help at all. Right. You know, now when I look at people who say that to me, I'm like, well, yeah, I mean, there was less competition on Etsy, I guess. But also, I had to explain to even my friends around me who were like in their mid 20s. So we weren't like not familiar with the internet or anything, but nobody knew what Etsy was. Right. <laughs> so, right. You know, like I can just say, I have an Etsy shop. I'd have to say like, I have, a, I have a shop online on this platform where I sell stuff and kind of like eBay. <laughs> right. Right. Yeah. So I think that that's like a really big misconception that people have. And I also want to add to that too, that Etsy really has started helping sellers be more successful now too, you know, back even in 2016, there was no advice on how to use the advertising or the marketing, no advice on, you know, how to take the best photos or add a video. You were just kind of left on your own. Like it was really like, here's the platform for you and good luck. Yeah, right. (laughs) And now they really do. I mean, I think that as they've transitioned to a publicly traded company, they have a much more professional business sort of approach to it, which also trickles down to the sellers for good and bad. You know, there's parts of it that's not always great, but overall it's... You know, I do appreciate what they do though, because in terms of their advice, they're not just thinking it up, they're helping us compete. You know, there's a whole world out there of other companies that are, you know, pushing ahead and we need that advice from them to stay. You know, one example was the free shipping, which I know that everybody was really having a hard time with. But I kind of look at that like, okay, well, if the rest of the world is offering it, you know, you need to be competitive. So absolutely. I agree with you. I think that, you know, I mean, I don't like giving away free shipping, just like everybody else doesn't like it, but you have to stay competitive, not just within Etsy, but also within the internet and like e-commerce. Yeah. Yeah. It's true. We're talking about once this uh, HGTV magazine contacted you, and I actually didn't realize going into this interview that you had started this as kind of a hobby. Like I assumed that you were a professional artist because your stuff is so beautiful and so professionally presented in your shop. So Thank that's you. really interesting to me that you just started like to sell off extra stuff that you had around the house. I know. Um, <laughs> you'll never get that from looking at your stuff. <laughs> Well, my family, we had a small business, so I had a little bit of a head start in my head because I have an idea of, you know, in terms of customer service, photographs, what I want to put out there. But yeah, I mean, I had just done it in college and then I sort of packed it away because my kids, 
you know, kids are, you can't just be in the middle of throwing a pot, your hands are all muddy. And then the baby monitor, you hear the baby crying and can't put it away and come back to it later. It's done. So I've just stopped and it came back right away after 20 years. And I did it so much that it just, you know, the very first year that I opened, if somebody said to me, can you make a planter with holes, you know, uh, six inches by seven inches? It was hard for me because it's hard to make something exactly as somebody wants it. But I did it a lot and it just, now it's like second nature. But it's the photos, I think, that you're referring to. Like, not only the pottery, but I get down eye level. I make sure I have a really bright day, southern facing. And I also do, and it's all done on my iPhone. And I make sure that the color that I'm putting out there is the color that I see in real life. Occasionally, I adjust it a little because it doesn't look true like it does to me. So I will fix it. And everybody that has bought a piece says it looks like it does on the monitor. I think that's a big, you know, an important part of looking professional. Yeah, for sure. So you get in this magazine, you have this feature, and then what happens with your shop? Did it like explode? It did for a little bit. I would say, you know, from October to December, we got at the beginning, a lot. But there was never a time where I was like, oh, good, I've made it. You know, I can relax now here. (laughs) The sales are just going to come in. Like it just, it wasn't like that at all. You know, it would drop off. Then we were contacted by MTV because they wanted to put one of my mom's owl sculptures in a museum heist that they were doing. They wanted it in a little, I guess, you know, in their museum scene. So we did that and we kept getting contacted by people. And that's what I thought, oh, you know, like we've made it that kind of, this is it. But there was never that time. It was always the advertising, the photographs, Instagram, should I start a blog? Like, you know, all these things that it was just a, a lot of work. And I think it really was not until... I came upon your podcast and that was in um, January that I was like, oh my God, this is solid, concrete information, number one. So I don't have to keep reinventing the wheel. You know, I can listen to what you're telling me and step by step chip away at the things that I need to fix in the shop and especially search engine. I mean, that was a, a big, big relief for me to sort of know what to do to fix the words that I was using so that I don't have to work so hard to find the people that want my things. Yeah. So when you came across the SEO Superstar program, is that what kind of drew you to it is just that you were tired of this like hustle of what's the next thing I have to work on? What's the next marketing technique I have to learn? (laughs) Yeah. I mean, I think what drew me to it was I saw that you had success without killing yourself every day, you know, that there was a way. I mean, there were certain things that you have to have to have a good product that people want. But, you know, instead of me, I guess, trying to guess who my customer was and 
who would be searching for my things. I could really zero in. For instance, I have these colorful bowls that I was just trying to sell as colorful bowls. And then I thought, well, you know, maybe they're good ice cream bowls. They, they look so pretty. They're perfect, you know. And you had pointed out to me that, you know, the average person who's going to go eat ice cream from their freezer doesn't need a handmade Will Thrown Beautiful bowl. You know, they can just grab a bowl out of the cabinet, but or read it right out of the <laughs> out of the container. <laughs> but you know, this was a foodie gift, a gourmet gift, a gift for chefs. It was something that someone who really enjoys setting a beautiful table would want, and that exploded the sales on those bowls just by using those words. Yeah. I think that that's such an important point. Like I loved that you had that result with those ice cream bowls because they were so pretty and there was no reason that they wouldn't be selling well. It was a matter really ultimately of like trying to appeal to too many people. Like, well, this is just a bowl for anybody that wants a bowl. Right. But because of the colors and the price point and, you know, sort of just the style of it, it's not a bowl for everybody. Like, it's not a bowl for you to serve ice cream to your toddler in. Right. <laughs> you know, it's a specific person that's going to be buying it, which is really hard for a lot of people because they want to just be like, well, anybody that uses bowls, I mean, obviously right. they could use it. <laughs> and, you know, that goes for the whole shop, really. You know, you think that you have to or I did when I first set it up. And I think you mentioned that you did this too. You know, you just have so much. You want to cast a really wide net. Does someone want a soap dish? Do they want a planter? Do, you know, and it takes time. I just don't think there's any way to start your shop and know exactly from the beginning. It takes time for people to show you what they want by what they buy, and also by what they ask for. I had spoon rests that um, someone had asked me for to make them a spoon rest. I made it. And when they saw it, they said, oh, no, that's too big. I really wanted it for a teaspoon, not a spatula. And so I made a smaller one. And I sent her both, by the way, because customer service, I figured, you know, I made it in her colors. Why doesn't she enjoy it? And she wrote back that, now I have a customer for life because that was really sweet to, you know, send something. And that's another part of it, but that's sort of another whole dimension. But yeah. I made that spoon rest that was much smaller and I made a few of them because I always make extra in case one breaks. I don't want to have to start the whole process over again and make them wait for something. So I listed the extra small ones and they started selling and that became one of our biggest sellers just because somebody had requested it in a different size. Yeah. So I think that that's really important. And I think that what you said is true. Like, I mean, I get emails like every single day from people who say, I opened my shop and I have like X, Y, and Z products, but I want to add A, B, C, D, E, F, G. And I'm like, okay, well, we can totally do that, but we will circle back around at some point. Yeah. <laughs> eliminate like 75% of that because it's really hard to run a shop that way when you have a million different products. But also what you said is true, like knowing from the very onset of your shop exactly what you're going to do is almost impossible. Like the best, most successful shops that I've seen are the ones who do that, who say, I have this idea and I have this style and this is kind of 
you know, where my skill set lies, but I'm going to let the customer lead me where they want me to go. Yes, yes. That there are probably other people out there who want the same thing. <laughs> yeah. And you know, it's like, I was thinking, it's like a, a, a ship. I mean, you're really turning a huge ship and it's just going to happen slowly. It's like people who say, okay, I finished all my SEO work. Where are all the purchases? Like where are all my customers now? And it takes a long time. It takes months to see which words are working, which aren't, and really to like change the whole, the direction, it's slow, you know, but then when it hits, it can hit really big, especially, I really think that Etsy picked up on the ice cream balls. They might have used them somewhere. I didn't really see, I couldn't find out where, but I had too many likes and, you know, for it to, I think, just be, it was like an overnight thing that maybe they, because of the words that I was using in the search engine, they saw it too, you know, Mm -hmm. and, and that helped, which is what you want, you know, the same thing. We have these dog planters that my mother sculpts and I changed all the words. I looked at what people were searching for and who the customer was, like you said. And if you saw the graph it is like from January to mid, I guess it would be like April, there was nothing. There were no visits. And then we went up to like 14,000 visits or something. Wow. Yeah. And it was obvious because I really had worked very hard on that, that, that it came from something in that, you know, somewhere there, those words. When you decided to join SEO Superstars, was it nerve wracking to you to take that step to say, like, maybe I can move forward without having to do all of this marketing or also just, you know, that you you had had this big publicity, which most of us, including myself, don't get. Yeah. <laughs> and then to not have, you know, I, I feel like there is kind of this idea that it's like, if I you know, had a feature in a magazine, or if I had connections to these more like traditional print media, or, you know, like television type stuff, then that would be like you said, I I would make it and that would be the end of the work that I have to do. Yeah, (laughs) really pan out the way that you would have expected. So to move into this program and say, like, okay, I've, I've done this hustling work, and I've like done these more traditional outlets, but you know, now I'm going to kind of switch directions. Was that hard for you? Or like, were you worried about that? No, it was a relief. I looked at it completely differently. You know, Etsy put my mom's planters up on their Instagram about two years ago. We got 12,000 likes on them. And I mean, I nearly fell over. I said to my kids, like, you have the coolest grandma I've ever seen. Like, (laughs) but, you know, after that, they sold a little bit, they dwindled off, but I knew it was a seller. So I kept it in the back of my mind. When I found your program, it was a total relief because I said, okay, I know I have things that will sell. And I think this is the way that I'm going to be able to bring in more consistent sales without having to rely on the big break, you know? And that's how I looked at it. And just having all the the podcasts that you put out, knowing that other people are in the same boat, that we're all working together to yeah. 
you know, and hearing other people's problems, knowing that you have them too, and that there's a way to get past them. You know, hearing your podcast yesterday about the pandemic situation, it helped to clarify a little bit what was going on in my shop. I didn't know, especially because I did the, the search engine right while we were staying at home. I didn't know if the result was a mix of people being at home, but I did see that, you know, with you, there was a, a different effect. Like you had a harder time with some of it because of that, whereas I had an, a different result. So for instance, like being at home during the pandemic, I ended up getting a wheel for myself instead of going to a studio, which cut costs tremendously. So now that I make things at home uh, and I have... I guess people weren't going out to buy plants as much in April. I was worried because a big seller for us is they're planters. So I, normally people are out, they're gardening, they're going to gardening stores, and everybody was home. This actually made me realize that it was a good thing I had a few other things besides planters. You know, they were sending. We have phone holders. So people were on Zoom a lot. They were sending. I changed all my search engine words to Zoom, miss you gift, uh, phone holder for stay at home. And we sold a lot of phone holders all of a sudden. So number one, having some diversity in the things that we sold. And number two, knowing how to turn the search engine words over to fit what everybody was going through. Was yeah, I love that. Yeah, and I've heard that from other students in the group, in the Facebook group, and everything. That's really neat that you did that. I yeah. love that you were able to target it that way. I've talked to other people who have done it with things like masks and stuff that they were able to kind of like jump on a trend. That yeah, kind of, yeah. kind of came up, and I think it's so valuable because you know once you know how to structure those listings so that they can get found in the search, you're not stuck with exactly the products that you had six months ago or exactly the words and the phrases that you had, you know, you're able to do that. Like you right. can just adjust it to fit what it needs to. And then, you know, you can move forward into the holidays selling those as like back to school gifts and Christmas yeah. gifts. And yeah. Whatever. Well, you know, for a lot of us, our customers changed the people who were buying it. So it wasn't just the predictable, usual people that you knew were buying it. So the search engine podcast was just really, you know, when I was home constantly, I still am, but between that May and April time, that really mentally also helped me to have something to do to work towards not feeling helpless because we were all at home. Everybody is, you know, concerned and being able to put my energy into something that I knew was going to help me help my kids, you know, and right. to help the shop be successful was a lifesaver really. Yeah. Oh, good. So. Hey y'all, I wanted to pop in here really quick. I hope you're enjoying this interview with Samantha. And I wanted to tell you that the doors are opening 
on September 18th for my signature course, SEO Superstars. If you are interested in getting on the waiting list for that, head on over to laurenkeplinger.com forward slash waiting list, and you will be on the VIP waiting list, which will give you first access to the course as well as a special discount and some bonuses. I hope you'll join us. And now back to the episode. I also want to like reiterate a point that you made, you kind of touched on it, but I want to just drive it home for people because you signed up for this program in January Uh and then you're talking about results that have really come in the spring. And I think that that's a really important point to make because there is like this desire for instant gratification that we all have. Yeah. But it is so easy to get discouraged really quickly when you don't have kind of that overnight success. And I think that what you said is really important that people understand that it's not an overnight thing, but that also it's really helpful to have a community that you're in that you can know that you're on the right track and to know that you just need to stay the course. Because if you would have just signed up for that program in January and then not had the support of the Facebook group and the community and everything, you might have been, you know, in February, like, okay, did I not do it right? What's going on? Like, I'm not seeing the results I want, but it wasn't a matter of not doing it right. It's just a matter of like, you have to be patient. There is some element of just time that it takes to see those results. Yeah. And you get better at it. So what I may have worked on in February, in March, in April, you go back to it and you see what is working and what isn't working. So the words that people have picked up on, you keep. And the ones that you see they're not searching for, or if you see better words while you're, you know, you switch them out. So it really is, it's not kind of like, okay, I'm done with that listing on to the next. You have to know that you're going to come back to it, rethink it and um, try again, you know? Right. You know, you may have worked all of your listings or 75% of your listings. And then a handful of them really bring in the vast majority of the traffic. And then you look at those and you say, okay, what's going on with these that I can apply to the rest of my shop? It's not like, you know, even in my own shop, it's not all of my listings do not get equal traffic. Right. There are some that for whatever reason, bring in way more sales and others that don't. And so you just have to be able to like, look at those analytics and, and apply what you think is going on in the successful ones to the rest of them. Yeah. But there's a lot of trial and error. Right. And also realizing that when things are successful like that, you can cut down on advertising. Like that helped me a lot. I don't have to advertise as much because I get that organic traffic now. And then the advertising that you do do is also more successful. (laughs) Yeah. Right. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. So talk to me about kind of where your shop is now, what kind of results that you've had and and where you are headed as we go into the second half of 2020. So right now, I am always just trying to assess which listings have been really successful, keep those, keep working on those, start to phase out some of the ones that I feel like are not as widely looked at, you know, that don't get as many visits or views or whatever, no matter what I do, get rid of those. 
and look into the fall and Christmas really for listings that I think people are going to, you know, be interested in and start working on those. And the search engine words for those are going to be completely different in a way. So that's really where I'm starting to focus. And I would say this program helped me so much that we are now, I wanted to tell you this anyway, we're now at what we took in for revenue last year, the entire year, we've already hit that in July. So, and yeah, so that's just a side note because that is really just having the direction, knowing what to, to do. So, yeah. So for going forward, I'm just going to keep working on those search engine words. And again, like I said, like for Christmas, for Halloween, for all those holidays, trying to, again, use the same method to come up with things that we're working on. And there's something that I that is coming up that I can't talk about yet, but it'll be exciting. It's in November. Oh. Yeah. <laughs> we're going to be posted on that. <laughs> That's great. Yeah. So have you ultimately felt a sense of relief being able to, you know, let go of those things? And, you know, I I know you said going into the program that you were, that you were relieved to feel like you could let go of those things. Has that happened the way that you wanted to? Are you less stressed now? (laughs) Yes, I really am. I'm so happy because I feel like you know, you don't have to sell to the whole world, and which is what I really felt like I had to do when I first opened my shop. I'm like, I have to, you know, be the ceramics person for the world. <laughs> I have to like be able to sell everybody everything that I can possibly. But really what you have to do is, you know, you have to find the people that are interested in your things, that like your things. And there are enough of them out there to be successful, to have a successful shop to bring in enough income to, you know, be able to keep everything going and still, you know, by focusing on these people that the search engine helps you find, you know, it helps them find you. That's really what the biggest relief has been is that I've realized that there are enough people out there to be successful with our shop we don't have to have everybody. We don't have to get everybody. We just have to find the people that want those specific things, that want colorful planters or portraits of your your pet in a planter or whatever it is, they're out there. And I really feel like you helped me find them or I, you helped them find me, you know. I'm so glad to hear that. Yeah. Well, Tell everybody where they can find you on Etsy and where they can take a look at your amazing creations. So we're Samantha Booth Art and all our links for Facebook and Instagram are also in that shop. And um, yeah, so you can see everything there right on Etsy. (laughs) Great. Samantha, thank you so much for being with us today and for sharing your story. And I am so proud of all the success that you've had, and I'm so happy for you. Well, thank you so much. I look forward to everything you have for us in the future because it's been really helpful. Love it. I'm so glad. So there you have it. I hope that you have been inspired by this episode and the amazing amount of success that Samantha has had in her beautiful shop. 
If you want to get on the waiting list for SEO superstars, remember to head on over to laurenkeplinger.com forward slash waiting list. I hope that I will see you inside the program when it opens up on September 18th. And I know that this is going to be a great group of people that is getting their shop primed and ready for the holiday season and to continue into 2021 and beyond. I will see you next week back here on the podcast. Same time, same place. Bye for now. Bye.